Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to Difficult Conversations, where we tackle taboo topics in a safe space through empowerment and education. We are super excited to start this season. We have been getting a lot of responses on social media and through email. And today we want to kind of go over a specific email that we got and just tackle it. It kind of touches on a lot of different topics. The email goes, I hope this email finds you well. When I was younger, I loved Cinderella. I loved the idea that my Prince Charming was somewhere out there, white horse and all. Someone that would understand me and was my best friend. My parents had other ideas. My dad believed that it was his duty to hand off his responsibilities as Wooly by finding me a suitable husband. When I was 16, 17, a perfect match came. As hard as I tried, I could not get myself to like the guy. Let's call him A. A being 17 years older than me, I felt like we were on different planets. My father ultimately gave me the ultimatum of a blessing or a curse. The choice was mine. I chose the blessing. A would come to visit and we spoke on the phone. We had nothing in common and I would use any excuse to get off the phone. His appearance started to change from visit to visit. He grew out a beard and looked more religious. His way of trying to match my appearance, I guess. All the while, I kept making dua. I did not want to disobey my father, but I could not see myself marrying A. On the day of our engagement, A asked me to download some Quran onto his phone. Curiosity got the better of me, and I went through his phone. Right there was a sign I felt I needed. There were inappropriate images on his phone. The night before, I had made the most sincere salah that I had ever made. Alhamdulillah, Allah will never burden you with more than you can handle. I called off everything. My dad was angry and couldn't look at me for months. Even though he is my father, an unjust ultimatum will never stick. Inshallah. Now that I'm older, I want to give marriage another chance. I was disheartened and did not want to entertain it for a while. I am now 33 years old with a master's degree and a good job. I am constantly told that I missed my chance and should settle on any guy that shows interest. Will I find my soulmate? That one's kind of heavy, guys. What do you guys think? Subhanallah. That's so deep and that's so sad. Looks like she was saying that the guy from the get-go, like, because she was religious, he was trying to morph himself into someone that he wasn't. And then she wasn't connecting with him. And that dua, I feel like when we make the most sincere dua and we, we sometimes don't see that immediate response Allah being the savior that he is answering her dua in that in such a way in such a blatant way if this guy had deleted those inappropriate pictures and she didn't see it or she didn't know about who this guy was until they were married and have kids and such you can go off from that in so many different ways putting her aside her wants her idea of what a man looks like what a marriage looks like what a husband looks like to satisfy and to make her dad happy that's such a burden, I feel like. Habi, what do you think? That is very, very powerful stories. And it's very relatable, too, because I'm sure there's other people who had similar experiences as this individual who sent us this email. I wonder if now that she's 33, she say no to that marriage and she hasn't potentially found anybody what the society and the conversation family member has constantly remind her of. Like, you let that, you know, amazing, incredible proposal, and now look at you being all single. Nobody's going to marry you now. You're 33, and it's a lot harder to find someone, and your biological clock is on too. You probably have this many years, and that anxiety and fear would be so much of, I can definitely empathize to her, this individual situation, because people do a lot of things to make you aware. She probably also would think, did I make the right decision? Was me making that dua at that point, did I really hasten the answer? Could I just marry that person and be okay? But now that I've been single for the past this many years, she might be start even questioning her decision because one, like I said, society will make her feel certain way about it. Secondly, her family will make her feel a certain way about it. And also herself. 
And now at 33, she probably had maybe other proposals that didn't work out. But then the doubt, the questioning does definitely impact. I'm just imagining her anxiety level and how she's navigating at this stage of her life because of like one decision that she made, which I would probably say is the best thing for her at that point. But how is she doing with that today? That's my curiosity, I guess. The courage at 16, 17 to be able to stand up to your family and then to understand like, wow, these are the things that I'm doing. But then thinking of all of that as a 33-year-old, people telling her, just settle for any guy that comes your way. Imagine how that actually messes a person up. Even not just that, not at just 33, but every year after that. See, like the Habe said, you missed that golden opportunity. You missed that da-da-da-da. Now look, your friends are this and that and the other. And she knows. And people don't understand sometimes. Like people know. They know what's going on. They know that they're sleeping alone at night. I promise you. They know that they don't have kids running. They know. Why are you sitting there telling her you should settle? And is that the only form of success? So there's a couple of things going on here. I feel like there's her expectation, what she thought watching those movies and stuff like that, what she was looking for in a potential spouse. And then the other thing is her family pressures and how the culture and the society kind of affects what they think of when they thought of like marriage proposals and how her father kind of said, you know, I'm trying to give away my responsibility. I want to find a, which is nothing wrong with it. You know, I'm trying to find a good suitor for my daughter so that she can be set up for life. And then the other thing is now her being 33 and looking back and saying what and people telling her, you missed that opportunity, like you said. Isn't it interesting how our culture influences our marriage processes and our expectations going into marriage? So just to kind of jump off of that story, let's kind of discuss like how media and culture influences our marriage process and our expectations. What do you think, Bonnie? It has a lot and almost everything to do with how and what to expect when we come when it comes to marriage, right? The movies that we watch, the cultural expectations, like what kind of man you're supposed to bring home, even though our culture never talks about, like as a culture, we don't talk about, our parents don't sit down and have a conversation with their kids about, hey, you know, this is what a good man looks like. This is what a good woman looks like. This is what a healthy relationship looks like. This is what you should look for in a person and your significant other. We never have these conversations. We're just automatically expected to bring this perfect person and live with this perfect person, even though we have no idea how to identify the pros, the cons, the red flags, the green flags, and a person. And then also when you add the media aspect to it, the movies that you see, the TV shows that you see, how it impacts you a lot, specifically for us. I mean, I can speak for myself, for example. I grew up watching Bollywood movies. I grew up watching Shadow Khan and Kutkutratahe and the guy going and saving the girl from, you know, it's him and her against the world, right? And he honors her and he loves her. Unconsciously, we are taught these things by the media that we consume. And then now, if you think about it, the things that our children, our sisters, our brothers see on the media, it's scary. We have the Kevin Samuels of the world, the Andrew Tates of the world, telling them, like, a woman is supposed to be pregnant and barefoot in the kitchen, and then that's her use. Um, that's what marriage is supposed to look like. She's only useful for those things. Her education, her smarts, how much money she brings is not important for the marriage. I really like what you said about the media, Bonnie. The media does show us realistic relationships, especially rom-com which shows realistic expectation of what relationships should look like because there is the romanticization at the beginning and then there's conflict in the middle and the way that conflict are resolved. And that it looks practical what relationships should look like. But my follow-up question, what about Disney? I mean, at least Disney before Frozen. Disney movie before Frozen, how it's all about happy ever after. Mm -hmm. There is this Prince Charming who's going to come rescue from your struggles and traumas and life issues. What about that? How does that also impact us, especially younger, and what Prince Charming is supposed to look like? 
I mean, to tie that on even to the email that was sent to us, right? She was talking about specifically Cinderella. And in Cinderella, the girl is the servant of the house and then the guy literally she goes to the ball and she, he puts a shoe on her feet and then all of a sudden all her issues are solved mm-hmm. right so it's a good point because it tells us that like once you meet that person everything is everything's supposed to be okay everything is supposed to be fixed he's supposed to be that thing that fixes all your issues and not to quote a really bad relationship but there was this quote by Will Smith that <laughs> <laughs> he said, I am not responsible for my wife's happiness. And when I first heard that, I was like taken back. Like, I was like, dude, that's so messed up. But if you think about it, the individual that he calls his wife, she has to acknowledge like, these are the things that make me happy. These are the things that don't make me happy. And she has to communicate that with him so that he knows how to make her happy. You know what I mean? And I feel like in Disney movies, it doesn't teach you. He's supposed to just know. He's supposed to fix it. He's supposed to get you out of your trauma, get you out of your horrible life and fix it and make your life better. And you're supposed to be perfect. And it's unrealistic expectations like those that is implanted in us. And then that causes us to have these flawed ideas of what marriage is supposed to look like, what relationships are supposed to look like, what we're supposed to expect from a a person. Another thing media teaches us actually is unrequited love. You love someone until they love you back. Mm. You love, 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 you give, you give. And then you're like the best friend that's sitting in the back and like watching him like love Mm -hmm. someone else. And then one day he sees you because the other girl dumped him and you were there for him. And then he falls in love with you or you glow up, you go to a makeover and you glow up. And then all of a sudden, he falls in love with you. Technically, I that's think. what Kush Kush Hatai. <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> I think. <laughs> See, isn't it funny how we our memories like cherry pick certain things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it goes to say though, like how powerful media is, and like whether you like it or not, we are consuming these things. And so, even if you say, "Oh, yeah." I only watch this, but, you know, I'm not acting like this or whatever. It's subconsciously already downloaded in your mind. And so then we tend to not think about these things because it's so subconscious. And so when you do go and look at a potential spouse or uh, when you're recording, it's already downloaded. You're already saying, okay, he's got to do this. And you don't say it in words of like, I need somebody to save me from my trauma. But that's basically what you're looking for. So what would you say then? Like, just don't consume media at all. I think you should be very mindful and mindful of what you're watching and what it's actually telling you. I think one thing specifically that I learned when I was in high school is after the movies, a couple of my friends and I would dissect the movie that we just watched. We didn't do it intentionally. We're not trying to be like save ourselves or anything. It was just what girls did when we were just, oh, you did you see that part where he did this thing or she did this thing? And you sit there and you analyze, okay, I just watched an hour and a half of a rom-com where I'm going to go back to the unrequited love part because I'm very, very passionate about how unhealthy that is. And like 45 minutes of the one hour and 30 minute movie, this girl or this guy is not seen in their authentic self with by the other person that they're fantasizing about. They're putting this person in a pedestal and magnifying them and thinking that they're the perfect person. And in the last 10 minutes, this guy notices that other, or this girl notices the other person when they are at their best. And then they fall in love and then cut the ghost cut. And what is that teaching us? And we thought at that time it was like really cute and really romantic. So I think what you would need to do is you, one, be very mindful. If you're a parent, be very, very mindful what your kids are watching. I always defer to Bollywood movies. I always say that I'm only going to make my daughter. Which isn't any better. Which which isn't any better. I don't know. Hollywood. Okay. We could have a debate about this. I feel like. Plus, you have have like three hours of just (laughs) yelling and singing. What is going on? I can't. Like, I did. I'm sorry. I feel offended. I digress. Let, Let me tell you why I think Bollywood is a little bit better. 
I think it's okay. Well, can we clarify which Bollywood? The, okay, this uh, romantic this, old no, no, school this, Bollywood. Okay. Old school Bollywood okay. where it's like I'm mostly my Bollywood revolves around Shah Rukh Khan and Ritik Roshan and Salman okay. Khan and Amir Khan and those people, right? I think of the loyalty aspect. I think of the honor aspect. The DBLJ, I, there's this scene that stands out to me where this girl is, I don't know if she's, I forget if she was drunk, uh, Kajal's character, she's drunk and she falls asleep. And when she wakes up, she gets worried that she might have done something, you know, dishonored herself by sleeping with this guy. And he tells her, I'm an Indian boy and I would never take advantage, dis- of, take advantage of you and dishonor you. And that says a lot. I mean, that's a low bar, right? But the fact that honoring a girl means protecting her, even when she's not able to protect herself. Honoring a girl means actually having an intellectual conversation with her or having... But most of the time, it's not like they're having intelligent conversations. No, 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 but they're having conversations, right? They're having conversations. They are getting to know each other. They see each other in places. You don't see them, like, even though the attraction is physical in most cases... It's not just physical attraction. I think it's just not blatant. You don't see them kissing on the screen or whatever. If it, like, they're singing, da da da, and then the scene just cuts off and you see it the next morning, clearly, your mind already fills in the blank. But they don't. <laughs> they don't go to the next morning. They go back to the market where they were walking, right? Like, literally, they were still walking. But going back, anyway, to, let's the go co- back to-, <laughs> to the question, which is does social media itself impact the way that we pick our spouse yes it does there's a pros and cons to that and i think if you don't have a place of reference or you haven't seen a positive relationship as you're growing up sometimes seeing those you know relationship on screen it creates you know what it should supposed to look like and so it paints a picture for you yes the con of that i would say is that the negative implication of how there's going to be this perfect person who got their stuff together who will be persistent and consistent with you in the whole process willing to fight for you and then he's going to win you over right Mm -hmm. and he's going to see all the layers of traumas and all of fears that you have built a wall around and he's going to come and break it Mm -hmm. which for me i would say that was one of those things that has been painted for me by watching this type of movies Mm -hmm. both bollywood and hollywood movies because I haven't seen a man being so persistent and consistent about knowing he wanted to marry you. He's willing to go about the right way, which what you were saying earlier, Abshiro, is the balance of it, the Dean way, which is where they notice you and they're sure about you and they go about going to your family saying, I'm interested in marrying your daughter. So I feel like the dangerous part of like, the media and the movies, Bollywood and Hollywood, is that it completely disregards. You're not even supposed to be in love anyway before getting married. You watch these movies thinking that we're supposed to be madly in love and then get married, which the tradition tells us a whole different story. Where like, yes, you get to know the person. We're not telling you like jump into it blindly, but you get to know the person. Actually, they have done studies where like, the quote-unquote arranged marriages tend to last longer because when you get after the marriage, you get to know this person and you fall in love after you marry. But the arranged marriage, we have to define what that is, is basically two people coming together to court to get to know each other. Mm -hmm. And the most where how two friends get to know each other having coffee having you know what i mean somebody shadowed that too as well yeah the only reason why i say arranged is that it's completely different than modern courtship and how like people are saying okay let's go out let's go to movies the reason only reason why i use arranged is that boundaries are not being crossed and then you also have chaperones and so when that happens you get to meet this person you ask questions that are meaningful and that tells you like what this person's character is then if you like that then you move on because the fact of the matter is that even if you know this person like shows you this good side this rosy side and then you guys get married it could be completely different so you really don't know i was just thinking about the fact that in my opinion the reason why arranged marriages work more than romantic courtship is because of the fact that both people that come to the table are interested in the same thing. So they're both interested in marriage. So when they are courting each other, they are asking questions 
to figure out, is this the person that I want to spend the rest of my life with? So they're not asking rosy BS questions of like, what's your favorite? I mean, they probably ask that, but that's not the most important thing. They get straight to the point of like, these are the things that are important to me. Are those things important to you too? While romantic courtship, I think, wastes a lot of time with fluff and BS. But I do think romance is very important. And I do think like attraction, physical attraction is very important, which is why probably I love Bollywood movies so much because like it's love at first sight. And I do think they're more epic than Hollywood movies. That's one thing we have to acknowledge and alhamdulillah for our deen and alhamdulillah for our culture because it allows us to ask those important questions. But the where we go wrong is that where we think, okay, all of these things are important, but the physical relationship, the connection, the chemistry is not important, which is false. Mm -hmm. If you don't have chemistry with the person that's sitting next to you, if you guys agree on 70, 80% of the things, it's just not going to work because at the end of the day, you're going to have to lie with that person. So define what you mean by romantic courtship. I think we all have different ideas of what romantic courtship means. Okay. I don't know if this exists. So if you blend this traditional arranged marriage pros, where two people that are interested in the same thing come to the same space and they are shadowed by another person so that there's not shaitan among them. And then you bring this chemistry and physical attraction and friendship and you blend that too. I think that's what I think about like romantic slash arranged <laughs> courtship. Like that's what it means. Like my ideal romantic relationship, that's what it would look like. The halal way, right? <laughs> you talk and you gain this like, oh, that person gets me. They understand what I'm saying. We have the similar history or even if we don't have similar history, like you have the capacity and the empathy to extend yourself to understand what I'm going through or what I went through or whatever the case is. Would you say I love you pre-marriage or post-marriage? I believe the fifth. You're putting that on spot like that? I'm married. So I said to my husband before marriage, I think we both said it to each other before marriage, but because of the Bollywood aspect of the fact that we did meet and we did have conversations and we did have attractions towards each other mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, and we fell in love outside of the physical relation, like the intimate relationship. So... Now that we have kind of understanding of what the media aspect of courting someone looks like, let's go back to talking about what does it look like with cultural aspect of it with family, because we need to combine those two because culture and family kind of goes hand to hand. And tell us what are you guys' experiences, because you both are married, and what was that experience look like? What is the cultural perspective kind of impact and how you when it comes to culture, um, being immigrants of this country, we come from a culture that does marriage like a very specific way. And so I think for our parents, it was almost a bit of a shock when they got here because like the girl, her father, that's the way he was used to marriage being done. Him finding his girls uh, suitors to marry them off. And so when coming to this country, there has to be a level of blending those two. And the parents, too, they have to realize that this is not back home, right? They can't just bring somebody and tell their daughters, marry this person. You know, there has to be a level of flexibility, and that can only be achieved if they have communication and uh, flexibility with their kids. And so when that goes wrong is when that connection isn't there. And so the kids are pushing back onto their parents because they're like, okay, this is not fair, you know, all this stuff. And then the parents are just not getting it because this, I'm doing this because I care about you. I'm doing this because like, I want to set you up for success in life. I do think that does happen, though, where marriage has been forced and the daughter is just obeying what her father is asking of her, whether that's being made at a request or that be made out of like cultural expectation. That does exist in living in the U.S. It does happen because a lot of us knows that at that young age, like this story is being told, 17 and 16, you don't have a goal to understand or have mindset to say, okay, this doesn't good for this girl, but not every single girl that we might be talking about have that ability to say, okay, no, 
I'm not going to do that. And I think it's like Bonnie said earlier, it's such a brave thing to do for this girl to say that to her parents and to say, I don't think this is the right fit for me. But there's a lot of girls who also doesn't want to disappoint their family. And especially with the emotional blackmail, too, of where the dad is saying, Si Abara, I'm going to curse you if you don't do this. Yeah. And then there's also like, Motiyamiti, or you know, they'll cut you off. You don't. Yeah. All of that does happen. We just wanted to be mindful about people's experiences because there is like holistic and well-rounded experience that happen. There are people who's able to say this is not going to work, and their families might be disappointed to hear at that point, but they're really accepting of them. And then there are people who will just do it for the sake of not disappointing their family, and they didn't have other way around it because of that emotional blackmail that we just wanted to make sure that everybody has a different experiences. And this story is one of those experiences. Yeah. And I also think we have to be very mindful of where the parents are coming from. And like Apshiro said, when the dad said, I want to give this, my daughters away so that the responsibility is off of my shoulders, because that is their survival apparatus. That's what marriage was initially for most cultures is for the girl to be handed off to another person so that that person takes care of her instead of the parents. You know, in the Western cultures, that's what it was. In Eastern cultures, parents have to understand that that's not how it is anymore. Girls can sustain themselves. They can take care of themselves financially and emotionally and so on and so forth. So that's not the main and only reason for the girl to get married anymore. You can rest easy knowing that your daughter will be fine in that aspect by herself, right? Mm -hmm. But she wants to complete her deen. She wants to be part, she wants to have a family. She wants to have a good, healthy marriage, a good, healthy children. And that cannot be done by blackmail. That cannot be done by someone that you just chose for her and that you you and your friend at one point when you guys were younger decided that your sons and daughters are going to get married and therefore they have to. We understand that it's coming from a good place. It's coming from a sincere place for the safety and well-being of your children. But then at the same time, it has to be acknowledged like that's not it anymore. That's not enough. I don't think you guys answer my question though. Culturally... What are some, because media has shown you what a relationship looks like. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you've seen it, this is what the pros and cons, this is what mm-hmm. to look for, mm-hmm. this is what to like. How does family do that? How does family and culture have shown you, those of you who are married, mm-hmm. oh, okay. that this is the right way to go? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> what I have seen growing up was my mom and my dad, they uh, were best friends. They were very, very close. They would have their minor, minute fights in front of us. I would also see them make up right away. So I grew up seeing arguments happen and then be resolved. I grew up seeing my mom go to work and excel in her work and coming back. And then my dad going to work and excel in his work and coming home and they both contribute in the house. And then after they passed away, I saw that in my sister's My sisters, they were both excellent, very independent women. And then their husbands were just as much. And they both kind of were like water and fire. So whenever one was very passionate and very emotional, the other one was the cooler one. And then also the balance of value. Like they all valued the same thing. They didn't have the same personality, God knows, but they valued the same thing. So it made me realize if your cornerstones, if your building blocks of your relationship is solid, if it's the same thing, then the rest of it can be anything, can be negotiable, I should say. That's what I noticed. But I also have seen in other relationships and other families where what I didn't want. Even in certain situations in my own family, I've seen things that I didn't want to be part of. I didn't want to bring that into my life, right? Like where I've seen with my farther you know family friends and stuff like that where the husband was this controlling egocentric misogynistic person who would impose and use religion as a tool to oppress his wife i saw a really good balance between my family and my family friends and what is positive and what is negative and it's what marriage is supposed to look like so okay go ahead up can you tell us more about your experiences on how culture has framed for you and made a place of reference for you when it comes to finding your spouse that who you're married to now. 
Yeah, so for me, I grew up in a very religious household, and so Islam and culture was always kind of front and center. Growing up, my mom worked outside the home, and my dad was always home. I also worked from a very young age, and so I knew I wanted to work outside the home after marriage as well, so that was a given. My mom was a very strong, resilient, and hardworking you know, I tried to emulate her in that way. When it came to my spouse, I knew that he had to be Muslim. Um, he had to be Oromo and he had to be better on the dean than me. I wasn't looking to fall in love while courting. It was always kind of impressed upon me that that's just not what we did in my family. We didn't fall in love before marriage, so I wasn't looking for that. I had some basic criteria and kind of left the rest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I did have experiences where brothers would kind of like change and almost craft their responses to what I would ask and just being a very observant person. It didn't take me long to know that it was bluff. And so I decided to not even get all caught up in the whole love thing. And so I went into courting with a mentality of kind of like fulfilling certain requirements and from observing my parents, I had a pretty good idea of what I wanted and what I would like to avoid in a spouse. It's kind of funny, but my husband and I, we used to send each other like really long emails answering a bunch of questions. I used to be painfully shy and a bit of a nerd. Um, and I think my husband was worse. So email suited us and it was match made in heaven. So cute. <laughs> and so we got to know each other over email. And I'm making it sound like this was like years ago. <laughs> <That was just, laughs> do people even email anymore? <laughs> What's email? Right. I think they do. Romantically, though. Put the letter in the yeah. bottle. Yeah. In the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> it will reach you when it reaches you. No, I think the way you went about it, as far as you courting, is, is what Islam has recommended, where you can kind of put that barrier until you get to know that person fully. Because love and experiences people are going to show you who they want you to see yeah versus like the real aspect of it like having those tough questions like how do you handle conflict mm -hmm. what does it mean to go to jama prayers and that's a priority like what is family looks like what is healthy family looks like mm -hmm. because that commonality is what flourished the family that we want mm -hmm. and so having those deep conversation i think that's what I'm getting from what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And then the other thing is to bringing family into it. Because growing up in my family, if you mentioned somebody to your mom or your parents, like this person is who I'm talking to, you only do that when you're sure that you're going to marry this person and like you're ready for them to come and ask for the hand, which I think was not the best setup because you should be able to bring in your family way before that. So then that they can go and check out the person for you and kind of do like a whole background check for you. Because the way we did it, my parents only knew about it when my husband came and asked for the hand. But if I would have done it sooner, I think it would have been better. But then at the same time, because we were in similar family circles, I already kind of knew that there wasn't going to be much of a resistance from the family side. So, yeah. I just kept nodding my head the whole time when you were talking because that's one thing I always feel like, alhamdulillah, like for myself, I am taking into my kids. Inshallah, when they get to that age, I want them, first of all, to take courting very, very seriously, right? So it's not like bring every single person that you are kind of attracted to for me to talk to. I don't want that. But when you are at that age, when you are courting to get married, I want to be able to know that person. Tell me about that person. Invite them over because that shows your sincerity and that also shows their sincerity. Then I also, I mean, investigate, be the FBI, you know, I'll look, you know, and I think that is so important because there's this pressure of when you bring a person to the family in our culture, it's like set in stone, mm -hmm. you know, and then if that thing doesn't work out and then you bring another person, hi, it shouldn't be like that. It should be your family should be the, your comfort zone. Your family should be the persons that you bring that individual to, to investigate to, and then sometimes family sees beyond the BS, right? Because yeah. once you're infatuated with the person, you don't see everything. Love mm -hmm. is blind. And then you don't see the red flags that your family might be able to spot. Us, like, creating this boundary of, like, oh, only I'll bring my significant other to the family only when it's set in stone. Yeah. It's not really healthy. 
I think, you know, that's something that needs to change. So I think I'm going to go from what Bonnie said. You kind of already started already. What would be one of those, you know, suggestions and advices that you will give to anyone who's in that process right now? Um, Especially, I think, for the sister that had emailed us. Yes. You know, she had said she's at that age now where people are constantly telling her, like, oh, you missed your chance, da-da-da, and all this stuff. What are suggestions and advice for her? I will tell you the same thing I will tell myself and any other person if that isn't the situation. You know yourself. You know your worth. Don't let other people make you feel less than you are. You've worked on yourself. You've spent time with yourself. You've gotten yourself to this successful place. And if you are healthy emotionally, making yourself be the person that you want to be with. Like if it showed up in a man, work on yourself and inshallah, by Allah's mercy and Allah's grace, that person will walk into your life. I believe that like attracts like when you are ready, Allah will bring that person to your life. So I don't think you should decrease your expectation. I don't think you should be less of a person than you are. I don't think you should shrink yourself into something to appease the masses. No. When you, you've worked so hard to be where you are, you deserve where you are. And inshallah, Allah will bring someone that matches your status or that's better than you. That is my thing to, for specifically the sister. I would say, you know, if sometimes people, when they're not practicing and religious and every aspect of your life is based on Allah and his plan, and you want to go about even this marriage process based on what Allah has said in his book. And when cultural, it comes into a play, they would ask you, you're being too picky, you're saying this. Sometimes they even try to convince you out of like, if he doesn't pray right now, he'll pray later. They'll tell you things like that. Or it's like, oh, this is overrated. You don't need this part of physical appearance. It's, not, it's overrated. It's going to die off. So these are the type of comments that people will say to people who are in their 30s because they want them to settle. I want you to be mindful. What is that that destination for you is? And if your destination is with Allah and what Allah has planned for you, and I think like Bonnie said, tie your heart to that and make dua on that. And I can't say ignore people because you are a human being and some days you're able to ignore it. But then... The people that are very closer to you are the people who actually say those those type of words where you're like, mm-hmm. you're getting really old or you're too, you're too picky or you hide too much in your place and you don't see other people. Why you're not in the community? How else would somebody would notice you? Mm-hmm. Those type of languages, it comes from people who are literally closer to you that you call family or friends, whatever that may be is for you. So I can't say ignore that. But I would say create a community of village girls like yourself who are living their life and still very actively looking and interested in finding their righteous spouse and still have that door of opportunity open. But figure it out for you where you are content with yourself. Remember that Allah is going to find the right person for you in this time. I would say do not feel disheartened and know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has already written everything that would come your way and you know if something is written for you we will not pass you and if something isn't written for you you know even if you try as hard as you might you will not get it so just believe in that and give yourself some comfort that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of you and like the habay said people will always say something regardless of you know whether you're married whether you're unmarried you will not be able to please people And like Bonnie said, be the best person that you can be and your match will find you. I just want to add something really quickly that I thought about uh, while we were saying this, just to give like practical advice too, right? And I'm going to quote another faith on this. It's a story that I heard. There was this guy and he would go to church every day and he would pray to the statue and he would say, whatever that statue is, if it's Jesus, whatever, you know, (laughs) please, 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 please. Help me win a lottery. Please, 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 please let me win a lottery. So he'd go every single day and say, beg, like, help me win a lottery. Help me win a lottery. And then one day the statue broke, got tired of this guy's plea and broke and said, 
please, 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 my son, buy a lottery ticket. <laughs> so I say this to say, and I take that with everything, not the religious aspect, but the, just the common yeah. knowledge aspect uh, with everything that I do, which is if I want something, I have to position myself in spaces that I would get that thing. And for me, speaking from a personal experience, I've always been a go-getter in everything that I do, including my husband. Thank you very much. <laughs> MashaAllah. I do believe in what Allah gives you, what Allah gives you when when it's meant for you, Qadr Allah. Like I said previous, and I'm not going back on that. I'm just saying that you have to be able to step out of your comfort zone. You have to be able to go to the spaces that you meet like-minded people. Because even in our deen, Allah says, you know, I will give you just work for it. If you are someone that is religious and you like, and I'm not saying sufferla, I don't know if this is halal to say, like I'm not saying masjid is a hookah place, but like if you're someone that's looking for a person that goes to the masjid all the time, go to the masjid all the time. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I just feel that way. I'm getting a lot of disagreement. (laughs) I'm getting a lot of disagreement. I just feel like if you're someone that's interested in like, readers and that like books and i'm sure they're gonna end up in the library i'm being various you know stereotypical but like you know just spending that time where you find like-minded people not necessarily find like-minded people but you might increase your chances of finding that person that is like you is but i okay here's for the counter agreements <laughs> no 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 i think i think i can't speak for this person but i'm going to try to speak from what it means to be in the Spencer shoes and being a single person shoes, there's nothing worse than hearing it would happen when you don't expect it. And there's nothing worse than hearing maybe you have not been putting yourself in the right places. Maybe you have not tried hard enough. Maybe, 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 maybe. Because people sometimes they don't come to you being curious. They come to you judging you and putting so much their own assumption on you. They didn't say, what did you try? What worked for you? When was the last time you talked to someone? And who is the last person you talked to? What was that process looks like? Instead of being curious and try to understand, listen to understand you, they already came out with what you have not been doing right. Mm-hmm. And then they're always you, already blaming you for it. Yes. And they always tell you, oh, this, 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 that. And I would say it's not very helpful. So this girl, I'm telling you from the bottom of my heart, do what you feel is right to you. And if people are telling you the things that I just wanted to let you know that your feelings, your emotion, your experiences are valid and you're okay with that. And when people are on the other side, you know what I mean? When the grease is like they're in that the other side, they're married and they have the kids, they have that lifestyle that they want. And they say, or oh, another thing they say is this, marriage is overrated. Oh, this is so much pressure. It's like, what you're doing is you're dismissing my emotion. Mm-hmm. You're devalidating what I'm telling you and how I'm feeling. And you're also not making me feel safe with you when I come to you and talk about my struggles. I know I just started something right now, but that's what I'm saying. So advice is sometimes I don't think this person needs advice as much. But okay, <laughs> <laughs> I, <ladies. laughs> I 100% agree. The habit sometimes, you know, as much as people are well-intentioned, doesn't it completely disregards everything your situation and everything you're going through but i think what bani was saying earlier is that yes make dua but at the end of the day you have to tie your camel i think that's what they're trying to get at right not that like it is well intentioned but tie your camel at the end of the day but they but, don't but, know if that person has tied enough camel and the camel did not want to be tied <laughs> <laughs> The camel ran away. They still took and they were like, "Okay, well, Allah, I did it. Everything you asked of me, I follow every single step." But maybe that is the issue, though. Maybe that is the issue. You're saying, "Yes, I tied my camel. Now what?" You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think at the heart that's of it, that's the issue. The issue is that you've tied your camel, but you still have to continue to have to that tawakul. Yeah, you still have to continue <laughs> to have that tawakul in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I mean, this is bordering on really bad, borderline shirky stuff. So let's not get into it. No, I, Wait, I, why is it shirky? Because at the end of the day, you have to realize the magnificence of Allah, that he's above you and above everything. So even when you are asking dua, there's a level of adab that we're supposed to have. There's a whole manner of going about it. So when you ask, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not entitled to give it to you. 
Mm. You know what I mean? You are the slave. Sorry. <laughs> the way you said that, I'm kind of like, you are the yeah, I get Which it. is true. Yeah. So it's not as if you're asking the president and right. saying, okay, you know, Mr. President, you know, I did this, I did this, and I, mm. and I completed all of your requirements that you've given me, but I'm still not promoted. You know what I mean? But mm. this is a human you're asking of. Right. But when Allah, when you're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this whole kingdom is his. You understand? He doesn't give it to you. You know what I mean? But, okay, That's what I'm wait, trying to I say. Can I just ask the Habe something? And you can jump off of that. Okay, yeah. I'll try to remember. <laughs> so, I guess my question is, because I do understand what you're saying. I do understand when... Because, yes, you know, I bought my lottery ticket. I did tie my camel. Mm-hmm. And what happens? You're telling me to buy a lottery ticket. You're telling me to tie my camel. Now what? Like, I've done that. You're talking to me like I haven't done that. I didn't know to do that. Or I'm telling you to go to find like-minded places in the library or the masjid, right? I've done that. So when someone asks for advice, like this lady did, mm-hmm. what is the most appropriate yet effective advice you would give to someone like that instead of saying like I can't give you because you probably have done everything without offending the other person or that person thinking that you are assuming they didn't do certain things if that makes sense so like what would be the most effective actionable appropriate advice that one could give first I have to say I don't know this person and what they have tried Mm -hmm. I'm only saying being the single person here, what I've heard being said to me. You're such a therapist. Okay, so the advice if that person needs to be heard is that that person has to have that time with Allah. Mm-hmm. When you make dua, three things happens. One, Allah can give you right away. Second, Allah says, this is not the right time. And then third, Allah is going to give it to you later. Or also accepting the aspect of marriage might not be the right thing. I think that grieving that process is what's missing. And then also another thing is that people need to stop shaming single girls, even if they're in 30s or whatever the age they're at, why they're single. Because you are asking why they're single is not what do you try? What can I do to help you? Am I helping you as your family, as your friends to arrange this and maybe have a dinner and invite a single guy over? Or am I doing actively helping you on the other side besides telling you, what have you been doing? Have you applied for the job? Have you called mm-hmm. that place? Have you went online? Have you talked to the chef? Have you? I'm doing all the work. And then on the top of that, you're coming back to shame me of how much I'm not doing. If someone... Let's say, for example, they say, hey, I have this... Because I know that could be also offensive. If I have this friend that's single and you're single, can I invite you guys all for dinner? But is being single like a good only requirement? You know what I mean? Because like, is that okay to do? Do you understand what my question is? I have two single friends. Let me get them in a room, in a house with all of us together. (laughs) Together in a house with all of us together. Let's have dinner. And is that okay or are you putting two of them in a very uncomfortable situation? I think it depends on the person. Okay. It depends on your friend. It depends on your intention and not just finding the only single person and thinking (laughs) they're going to make magical relationship happen versus like, I know her personality Mm -hmm. and I kind of understand this guy's personality. Mm -hmm. Did they match? Were they vibing? Mm -hmm. If they hadn't vibed, like, okay. Because a lot of things are what people do. It happened to me. Is they find any single available person and then they're like, oh, you two are single. Maybe you guys should meet for coffee. Oh, how's it going? Have you guys are in love yet? When is the wedding day? It was like, no, we have total opposite personality. With all the red flags. Yes. I apologize very greatly. <laughs> Not just you, trust me. But go ahead, Abshira. So I really want to go back to what you said earlier about grieving marriage might not be an option or marriage might not be what happens for you. Can we kind of just talk about that? And I want to get your opinion around that. Personal opinion or therapy opinion? Personal opinion and then therapy opinion. Yeah. Okay. So I would say personal opinion. I think I have been working on grieving that. Okay. I would say that I have been working on that and be mindful about if it doesn't happen, what now? And how do I navigate my life? And what should I do next? And how do I comfort? The thing is that personally, how do I comfort my parents who are worried about me being single, not having the family or not having grandchildren? But to, at the end of the day, I always say, remember a story of you. Remember of all the prophets who have struggled, not everything worked out. 
I keep bringing back to that for people in my life and to myself. And I would say that I'm only here to serve Allah. Like you said earlier, I'm, I'm the slave of Allah. I'm here on this earth to serve him. If Allah decided this is what he wants from me, he'll make it happen. And someone once said to me, he said, if your husband are meant to be with you, Allah will bring you from the end of the earth to where you are. Facts, right? facts. That type of clear, concise belief with no doubt in it. And that's the thing that needs to be happening. How do you grieve it? It might not happen. You talk about it in therapy. You talk about with your therapist saying, look, I feel that I have this strong desire of getting married, having family. This has been my success according to what I have believed all my life and having to go through those emotional process and being accepting of it. It might not happen right away, but it will eventually the work has to happen with yourself saying, you know what? It's okay. It and that could be, that could be the test of it all, right? The test for you might be that, that your desire to get married and maybe Allah has the wisdom that this might not be the best thing for you. Yeah, absolutely. The thing is that you know in your bottom of heart, if Allah knows, if, if you think Allah has better thing for you, you know, I honestly do know. Allah has better thing for me. But I also know that if Allah has put this desire in my heart and the desire has been ignited from the day that I realized that I wanted to get married and it has continued to grow. It will be what, fulfilled. It will be fulfilled, right? And then that's the belief, the hope, and that's the hope that you're supposed to have with your dua, right? You have to be hopeful. When you make dua, you have to be hopeful. And that's how you know that your dua will come true. But what do you do in the meantime? What is... So your family, your society, your friends, the things that makes you question those clear, concise that you have with Allah, that's the thing that you need help with. Like, how do I be okay and still wait for Allah to do the things that I need to do and still tie my camel mm -hmm. and then be okay with in this process and other people around you have to say, you know what? She's fine. And be careful of hopelessness like yeah. and despairing and just saying, I've been doing dua, I've been doing this, but clearly it's not working out. And just kind of going to the opposite extreme, too, of saying, maybe it's not even worth it. Maybe doing dua, praying, and all this stuff isn't worth it. Absolutely. Yeah. May Allah protect us from that. Amen. Thank you so much. I think this conversation has been very incredible. And this girl, we really appreciate her for sending us emails on her experiences. And this is definitely that space of validation for her and for any other individuals that who are in this similar situation. We really definitely love other people to also send us more emails and more questions specifically on whatever has to do with the relationship aspect of it. I think it's been a great conversation. This is a difficult conversation. So yeah, ladies. Assalamu alaikum wa alaikum salam. Join the conversation in the comments section or on our Instagram page to share with us what you think. We do not have all the answers, and our biggest goal is to kick off and get the conversation going. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept our efforts and use us as catalysts for change.